0: Thank you, Terry. Choir, soloist, all these wonderful instrumentalists that I did not teach. They're doing so well. Good to see you this morning. Thank you for being here. This beautiful summer Sunday. It's a 4th of July week. And I was sharing last service, I looked at the radar screen, wink, wink. And uh, after VBS was over, I saw those cards heading bury their head into the beach. I don't know what they used to do in Atlanta when you served there, but here are folks, and they got a well deserved rest. And let me just say on the heels of that, God bless all those dear people that helped serve last week in our vacation Bible school. What a great week we had! Thank you. So many that give God a hand to praise. It was a wonderful week. Our student and Teacher totals, I believe, came near 840 folks through here. And uh, it was a school-sized thing. But each one of you, even if you could not be here, participated in that. The great majority of the young people that come do not attend here. And we're blessed that we're getting the word out to so many people. Thank you for your part in that. Every one of you that's a member of this church took part in what God did last week in the lives of young people. Some of the conversations we had, and some of these teachers know what I'm talking about, were just powerful, powerful, and we can't do it unless we have the resources to do it. We continue to have no charge for our Vacation Bible School. We depend on what God does through you. And let me say this to you, all those treats, all the literature, all the promo things— We don't throw them away. We use them. There's many churches that don't have the resources to buy those materials. They go to churches that can't, and we'll be sending a team to Jamaica to have some vacation Bible schools down there, right? So we're blessed to have that. And Randall, I know that you're blessed. You've given them some leadership on what's going to take place when they go to the island of Jamaica. I know it. Love it. Such a great place and a wonderful thing that we have folks going down there with heritage like you had down as you lived there to see the gospel continuing on right in that place. What a blessing. Today we are looking at, just one more reminder, many of you got to know Doris Kiger over the years, but know that uh, she went home to be with the Lord last week and her service will be tomorrow at the Forbes and Dick Chapel uh, on Friendly Avenue over there, called the Guilford Chapel at 2 o'clock. So, just wanted to get word to some of you since in the midst of some things, sometimes you're not be aware of that, but some of you got to know her. She was a pollinator, a blessing, and I know that uh, she went to be with her Lord. So tomorrow, if you can be there and uh, let folks be aware of that, that will be a great support to that family. Thank you in advance. There may be some family members here in town, from that family. We loved her here, blessed that God brought her right here, and she served and loved people right here. Well, today as we look at a message that has to do with Jesus versus religion, Bubba thought he would attend a magic show as he was on vacation. And the magic show, the magician was a Spanish-speaking magician. And he told the dear people, he said to them, on the count of three, I will make myself disappear. Bubba watched intently. The magician said, uno, dos. Poof, he was gone. Bubba stood up. And he said, "Wait a minute! He disappeared without a trace, right? (laughs) Isn't that bad?" (laughs) But he said it like Bubba. He disappeared without a trace. All right, never mind. It's it's bad. As I said many times, you'll be using it around the water fountain tomorrow in the (laughs) work. Maybe. So let me tell you the worst thing. Anyway, what's it about? Well, it was no magic trick that there came a day where Jesus is speaking in a synagogue and something incredible happened. What magic was the power of God in his life. If you're watching today in our simulcast, don't want you to be confused. I wanted to find Jesus and religion as we start. And we welcome you, those uh, so many that have headed down to the coast. God bless you as you're watching the waves and eating bacon and eggs right now on the beach wherever you are. Glad you're joining us today. Bottom line is religion. Religion is a word that's come into society. Probably a lot of scholars agree maybe the 12th century or so, give or take some years. A Latin word, it means to bind, to bind. And as it could be used positively, God binds his, our relationship with him by his work. But religion is taken out a terminology, that has to do with Man working their way, binding our way back to God through something we could earn, some way, some system that helps us to get connected back to God by our way. And we have those that exist all over the world today. Many people have a subjective religion. They think, I'll get to heaven my way. I'm a pretty good person. I'll get there. Friend, you may not call it religion, it's a religion. And in essence, anyone that says to the God of the universe, your sacrifice on the cross was not enough or didn't exist or didn't count for me, I earned my way to heaven. Dear friend, let me tell you the bad news. That will not get you into heaven. The good news is Jesus bound a way that we could get there. He did it all for us. He's the one that died on the cross for our sins and rose again. He is the only way To heaven, period. Narrow, it may sound dogmatic. I give you the message from God's word. Jesus is the way. And if when you leave this earth and stand before God, Jesus versus religion, you don't want to plead your own case into heaven. You want to have received the gift that God's already provided. So today, there's an episode in the Bible that's quite interesting. It has to do with kind of a church setting where people are gathered in a synagogue, and we'll bring up our first passage, Jesus versus religion. It says in Luke 13, verses 10 and 11, on a Sabbath, Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues. Jesus very typically did that. This is one of the last recorded times we see Jesus doing that because Jesus, frankly, wasn't good for business in the synagogue, okay? But on this particular day there, it says, and a woman was there who had been crippled by a spirit for. 18 years. I know some people in this room may have had a sore knee for a while, some issues going on, and I don't um, minimize that for a moment. We've all had some different aches and pains from the youngest person in here to the oldest. But this woman had been suffering, and she'd been crippled by spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not straighten up at all. And so this is a very debilitating type of thing. So here you have a service. This woman is here in this synagogue. And what's it about? Well, we see that first of all, there was a woman who was there and she was a worshiper. She was where she was supposed to be. I've heard it enough times where I can maybe write a book on all the different things people say. So have you. I don't need to go to church. I don't need to be in a place like that organized religion. By the way, we're not organized religion. We're somewhat disorganized relationship with Jesus, but we're we're not we're not a religion. I don't need to be I can worship God in the woods. That's true. And I pray that wherever you are, if you're watching on the beach in Osama Cas or in the woods up in the mountain somewhere, that you're worshiping God and joining us. The bottom line is though, right here, you see. I see people of different ages, different backgrounds, different pigmentation of skin. You came from different places. What we're making in a statement together is that we are a family that God has bought back. We come together and put little things aside to say we're worshiping the main thing, the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe. We get to do that together. We get to pool resources together. You see, it would be hard for me as one individual to say, let's bring 840 people in here and I'll lead every class, do every activity, do all the nights, do all of it. I can't. You can't either. But with a team of people, we can do things that are just beyond any one person's capacity as God works through an organization like this. That's why I said every single one of you that's a member of our church, whether you're here last week or not, took part in what God did, and young people had their lives changed forever because of the sacrifice and the blessing you brought in here. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you for helping train those leaders that went out there training our middle schoolers and our children that taught here. So we have this woman. She was a worshiper. And the bottom line is, I want you to see something. She was unaware of the fact that on this day she'd receive a blessing beyond measure. She came to the synagogue unaware that something great was going to happen. Let me tell you something. If you're watching today and you're not a part of a local church body and you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, you're missing some things that happen within the body. And there's stories in classes just like we saw last week of some children that have never heard about Jesus and watched some things change. There's people in this room right now that were addicted to the wrong kinds of substances in life and not even seeing some substances, sometimes materialism, other things, that God has done miraculous things. And to not be here and watch God's doing in your life journey groups, your discipleship group, or your class, you're missing it. She was there this day, and had she not come, she would have missed an incredible blessing. But let me say this today. God may have a blessing for you today. You don't even know it yet. God may show you something through his word today, may have already shown you something in your class or through one of the songs today that ministered to your heart in a special way. I often hear people say, let me tell you what, how God moved in my life today. Word of God tells us. In Psalm 122, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Why can you rejoice? Because it's a great thing that God's doing in the lives of people. There are stories and every single one of you has a story out there to tell about what God has done in your life. What a great thing that is. You see, she had something else. She had a problem going on. She had curvature of the spine, 18-year affliction. But I want you to see this part. She was in worship, didn't use her affliction as an excuse not to attend. Not that anyone's ever thought about that, right? Right? I was up late. I sprained my eyelash yesterday. I can't come. Whatever. Whatever excuse there can be. She didn't use it as an excuse not to come. And I could say this, you know, without any reservation. You don't look your best when you're walking in with curvature of the spine. And I'm sure that some people may have found a little offensive. I'm sure she found her own issues within that, but she came to worship. Can I just thank you for being here with other people in worship? Some of us are here right now with some issues going on in their lives physically. Thank you. Some emotionally. Some out there are watching and made time to watch. She didn't use it as an excuse not to come. It's some of those indirect messages we get from the Word of God when we take the time to look and see what it 's all about. She was a worshiper, she suited up and she showed up, and she didn 't let an affliction stop. I bring up the next slide, please. The Word of God says, "But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you. You see that verse takes away all my excuses, right Well, pastor, don't you get up every day, every day you 've ever served your whole life and feel energized to go in sometimes I feel a little tired, usually not on Sunday, get up pretty energized, but there's, everyone has harder days, right? Anyone here ever been sick, sprained your ankle, right? Bottom line is, seek first his kingdom. So many people reverse it. I'll wait till I get this, I'll wait till I get that, I'll eventually come, I'll wait, I'll, I'll eventually study the Bible, and maybe I'll go, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait, I get it. We have a procrastination gene in us, and we have our own self-procrastination gene that we can excuse ourselves from things. God bless you for being here today. Thank you. Seek first his kingdom. Then things get added to your life that you may not even know about. They got added to that woman's life that day, didn't they? She didn't even know. She'd walked through those doors so many times, crippled. And there she is on this day. Bring up that next one. Thanks. It says in verses 12 and 13, something's going to happen that day. Something that no one in that congregation came. And by the way, something not only happened to that woman, the congregation that day saw something incredible happen, didn't they? Something that no one thought could be possible. It says when when Jesus saw her, he called her forward. Now here you are. Now Jesus had some fame by this time. People knew about Jesus. People wanted to be near Jesus. But on this day, the word of God says, when Jesus saw her, he called her forward and said to her, woman, you're set free from your infirmity. Then he put his hands on her, and immediately she was straightened up and praised God. Remember, I've said so many times, God never bends us to break us. He always bends us to straighten us up, right? When Jesus saw her, don't you dare believe that Jesus doesn't see you in your affliction, your infirmity right now. Pastor, I don't have one. I feel good. You may have a spiritual and emotional infirmity. You can't put a Band-Aid on those, can you? They can hurt. Jesus sees it, and Jesus saw the one person that many people would have thought she has that for a reason. She has something wrong with her. She's not up to snuff like the rest of us, but Jesus saw someone that needed some healing, and he did a great work in her life. It says, when Jesus saw her and called her forward, well, it presupposes something. Bring up the next slide, if you would. She was seen and called by Jesus, and he told her you're set free from your infirmity. Jesus does see us, even though, in her case, it's 18 years. You may be discouraged today because you think God hasn't seen, he hadn't heard, he's unaware. He's aware of the exact right timing period for your life. And sometimes God gets us ready with a lot of things to happen because if it only been a week or two or a half a year, a year, then, well, she finally got well. After 18 years, there's a really good chance you're not getting well. So there she is during this time. And I've also heard this. I don't know why your church still does invitation. That's old-timey stuff. We don't do invitations anymore in our modern times. Let me say something to you. If it was good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for us. Amen? Now watch it. That's right. Because the Word of God says he called her forward. There's an invitation this day. And you know what? She didn't have to come. She could have felt self-conscious. I don't want to go forward. and That's why I'm sitting in the back, Jesus. I don't want to come and have people see me. But if she had not responded, if she had not responded she literally would have missed the biggest blessing she ever had coming in her life. First, she had to come and be a worshiper. She had to come humbled. She had to be there. But Jesus called her that day, and today may be your day. To come and pray alone with one of the pastors or deacons today, you may think, What's, how's that going to work? I watched last hour as God brought forth someone I know, touched someone that needed to be touched in a very special way. God may use you today. But when your hands are grabbing that seat in front of you saying not to go, don't listen to that. Listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. She went forward that day and listened to Jesus. It said, not today, Jesus. I don't want to come today. She responded to the call. And by the way, let me just add to that. Many times I hear from guests that come and some of them, you know, they say invitation's not seeker-sensitive. I know, I've been to enough conferences over the years. I've listened to enough pastors over the years, enough speakers over the years. Can I tell you what's seeker-sensitive? Watching God work in the life of a person. You know, some of the people have said, they don't said, Jesus they don't need to offer an invitation. We don't want to stumble some of those people in there today. An invitation can give God the power to literally Lead someone down an aisle, and some of you introverts, I know it's like, it's, it's, I don't know what it's like. It's bizarre, it's hard. I'm not minimizing that, but listen to God. He will always bless you. There may be someone waiting for you, they may not even be in this room, they may watch on the Psalm, like that. and you may be the one that God pours the blessing through to touch that life. God wants to use all of us in a wonderful way. I even watched some of those students last week who brought a friend. And watch some of their responses. Their friend came forward. What an encouragement it was to them. Some of them may become international missionaries, pastors, great parents, leaders leading at Vacation Bible School because somebody came forward. On this particular day, it was her time. How do we know she came forward, pastor? Look at the next part. Then he put his hands on her. A lot of people want to have the hands of Jesus on them but not come forward. They want to stay anonymous. Listen, go identify with Jesus. Amen. She came forward, one of the few people in the Bible. It says he put his hands on her. What an incredible thing. And the power of God did a crazy good thing that day. And you would think, boy, religious leaders must have had a great day that day. I wonder what happened on such a wonderful day as that. Well, we see what she did. She immediately said, well, that's a coincidence. How about that? She glorified God. We get her word doxology from there, the Greek word. She glorified God immediately. And it says immediately she straightened up and praised God. Right? Right? Look at the scripture passage, though. Sometimes we can miss the blessing. In Luke 17, 15 through 17, the word of God says, one of them which he saw when he saw was healed came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet. This is the healing of the 10 lepers, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all 10 cleansed? Were the other nine? You see, so many times we can become so enamored with the blessing that we forget to praise the blesser of it. But she praises God in front of there, and I imagine it wasn't like, thank you, Jesus, what a good thing. I'm going to go home and make lunch now. I imagine she was just probably moving around like she never could. She was dancing in church, Mary, Terry. She was, that's right. She was dancing around in church. She was moving around there, could move finally. What a great thing. And what a cool day. How about the other people who didn't use an excuse not to get in worship that day? seeing that. Look, old so-and-so's coming forward today. Jesus, what's going to happen today? It's going to be the same old, same old. It'll be the same old, same old if you bring the same old self in here. But I want to say something. It's not the same old Jesus that's in this room. He's always wanting to do some powerful thing. Where are the other nine, Jesus said? Tell us something about some kind of a percentage statistic. Very few people want to return and give thanks to God. They become so enamored with the blessing, they forget to bless the blesser. Next passage. So we see what happens. Here you are as a religious leader. This is a work of God. What happens? It says indignant because Jesus healed on the Sabbath. Now stop right there a minute. That's working on the Sabbath. Well, pastor, how is that considered work? You see, healing was the vocation of a physician. It was work. It was his work, his vocation, his occupation. So Jesus, doing the work of a physician, they qualified that as work. What are you doing on the Sabbath? And the synagogue ruler said to Jesus, no, was that what it says? No, we didn't have the guts to address Jesus. He addressed the people, just a lot of times like you're addressed. They don't address Jesus, they address you. Not looking at Jesus. Jesus just did an incredible thing. Instead of saying, wait a minute, Jesus, I've heard all about you. I know you've cast out demons. I know you have healed leopards, given blind to the sight to those who are blind, and on, on, and on. And rather than sit there and say, before our eyes is the Messiah of the universe, what he does, he talks to the people. You know why? People are power. I'll speak to you. You're the power. You're the ones that pay my salary. I'm going to speak to you and tell you how bad this is. I don't want Jesus to wreck business, okay? And the synagogue rulers of the people, there are six days for work. So come and be healed on those days. See, Jesus, you blew it. Come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. And the Lord said to him, Well said, you're a very wise man. <laughs> look what Jesus says, you hypocrites. Doesn't each, of, now look, this is powerful. Doesn't each of you on the Sabbath untie an ox or donkey? We have other names for those things, don't we? <laughs> right? From the stall and lead them out and give it water. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, have set free on the Sabbath from what bound her? You guys that are supposed to be looking after the things of God, representing my laws and my ways in the right way, you care more for an animal than a human being that had a struggle to even get here today. You hypocrites. Not a compliment, by the way. Used properly, the word hypocrite is very good. You see, by the way, believers are not hypocrites to say we're going to heaven. Who do you think you are, better than someone else? When people say that to me, I say, no, worse. Worse. But... The thing that's not hypocritical about me, I know I can't earn my way to heaven and my Lord and Savior died and paid for all of my sins. I put my faith and trust in him. And because I've done that, he's my Savior and my Lord and I'm way less pathetic than I used to be. And when I stand before Jesus Christ one day, I'm not going to say, God, my personal religion got me into here because I'm a pretty good person. I'm going to say, Jesus, if I'm allowed to speak, Jesus, I shouldn't be here. I could never earn my way here. And there's not one thing I could have added to the forgiveness you gave me on the cross when you bled and died in my place. But because I've received your mercy, you withheld what I deserved, and i received your grace, you gave me something I didn't deserve, I can be here today. Thank you, Jesus. I'm dancing on the streets of gold. Amen. Because of what he has done. Period. So let's see what happens. We see this. The indignant synagogue ruler had several faults. There's way more I could have put in. First of all, he got angry with the people. Let's blame Jesus on you, right? He gets angry with the people because when that woman was praising God, you see what you just did? You clapped. You think the people sat there and said, That's terrible? They were probably having a great time, too. At a, at a setting that I... My first ministry setting, I just say you heard me say before, I resigned from it. I resigned from my first vocational ministry setting. I resigned 2,000 miles away from home with the only grandchild of my parents, with an expectant wife, and no job. <laughs> that shows how Intelligent your pastor is right, but I just got tired. I got tired of seeing some of the things take place inside of a local organized church that supposedly believed the Bible. That when I would pick up kids in a bus, unchurched kids, kids out of homes with substance abuse was taking place and other things, and put probably I not I put more children on the bus than we're supposed to. Okay and brought him into this movie one time, a Christian movie, in our youth lounge, and after that movie was over, some of those children never had any hope, never seen anything good happen, never been in a church, began to clap, just like you did, isn't that good? And one of my synagogue rulers, <laughs> stood up and yelled at the kids, Don't you dare clap in God's house! And she's yelling at the kids. I can't tell you exactly I'm thinking. I have to confess another sin. (laughs) But I can tell you what I did say, and it probably wasn't. So let me just. It probably wasn't the best thing. And God's given me some wisdom over the years to know better than to address it. But maybe not. I don't know. I just simply got up and yelled. Kids, you can clap anytime you ever want in this building. God doesn't live in this dump. He lives in a throne in heaven, and He inhabits the hearts of people. And that was our million-dollar youth extension building. So it was very impressive to God. And as he was inhabiting that, he got offended because the children were clapping. And that started me on the road with several, well, many things like that. And said, God, if you ever let me serve again, I'm ever allowed to lead something. If we can't get even that part right, let's just close the doors. If we can't get that right, let's just not say, let's not give the world another excuse to say, you guys are a bunch of losers. You're Jesus, you say, loves people, you don't love people. And God's not offended with people that are happy. I Trust me, right? There's no worse average time for Jesus. I'm, we're on our way to heaven. <laughs> Jesus is really good. Come on! Now I know every day is not a great hair day. I know there's some harder days. But I'm sorry, that was just absolutely egregious. And this is the same type of setting they have. You see, the indignant synagogue ruler, he had... Well, all these faults. He got angry with the people. They tie up heavy loads, put them on men's shoulders, and they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Sometimes I'd have one person help me on the bus, a dear, dear man, a man that stood up at a meeting. The deacons were having to, after I'd resigned, after I was working on my roof on a Sunday, after preaching that morning and going to four nursing homes, so the, the, the snow which was coming, I was trying to just get my roof patched up so we'd be okay, and saw me working on a roof and said, Pastor, we have to have a meeting with our deacons. You were working on Sunday. If I'm lying, I'm dying. And I said, Paul, you don't have to have that meeting. But one deacon two weeks later when they had the meeting stood up, and he said, we ought to be ashamed of ourselves. We should have made calls been out there and helped him fix his roof and he walked out of the meeting. That's right. That's what believers do. The ruler misunderstood and corrupted God's law. Matthew 23, 24 says, you blind guys, you strain out a gnat and swallow a camel. What's that about? There's a In the biblical laws of what's clean and unclean to eat, there's certain insects, Israel was told, don't eat these insects. And so... The straining out of gnat, if they had a liquid drink, they may take a piece of cloth, even though they couldn't see something in it, and pour through that. And lo and behold, on that cloth may be a gnat. Now, I lived in South Florida. I've, as a runner, I've had gnats in my mouth. They're not good. I've had a fly in my mouth when I was lifting weights once, pressing uh, a lot of weight on a bench one particular day, and sucked in, and a fly went in my throat. That's right. I was straining out a fly that day. I promise you. I couldn't get those weights off me fast. enough. I think I just threw them on the concrete there on that patio. And I looked like I was possessed. And I remember a couple of my brothers looking at me and going, Look, I'm trying to cough this thing out of me for a couple of minutes. But ladies and gentlemen, I was bound to determine if I have to cough up my toes, that fly is not going in me. Do you know what flies land on? I got that thing. Eventually, I got it out. And I praise God. But they strain on that because you can even swallow on that and drink and not even know it, right? But you see, they were unclean. Another thing was unclean it's called a camel. And Jesus is kind of cracking us up here, isn't he? He says, you blind guys, you strain out on that, then you swallow a camel. He means the whole camel. He said, you major on the minor things. And on the major things of life, of what my nature's all about, if God's anything, he's merciful. If God's anything, he's loving. And so people are supposed to be that same way. You miss the big things, the grace, the mercy. You're so involved in keeping people down with your religion. telling them they're missing everything because they don't follow your ways that you put a camel down your throat while you do something stupid like straining out a gnat because you want to be unclean. And you miss the greater things because you're minor on the lesser things. Unbelievable. Bring up that. Thank you. This ruler didn't acknowledge the Messiah who stood right before him. As I said earlier, he knew all the signs of what Jesus did. And right in front of his eyes, there's someone that was miraculously healed he gets angry at the people. Matthew 10, 32 and 33, whoever acknowledges me before men, I'll also acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. Whoever disowns me before men, I will disown him before my Father in heaven, period. See, there is no secret agent in God's God's work. Acknowledging before men. Now listen, let me say this to you. I know there's times all of us have had those moments like Peter, and sometimes not by our mouth, just sometimes by silence. The old saying, silence is golden. Sometimes it's just yellow. Sometimes it's cowardice. But God works with all of us. And if, you, if let me just raise my hand be the first and say, I've failed at that at times in my life. I just want to fail less. And I encourage you, acknowledge Jesus. People, when you get to know the real Jesus, he's great, isn't he? Let him see the real Jesus. Tell him about the real Jesus. He's not religion. He's the one that loved you and died for your sins. What a great God we have. Next slide, please. Thank you see, the ruler was hypocritical. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 12, 7 and 8. If you had known what these words mean, I desire mercy, not sacrifice. You would have not condemned the innocent, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. Excuse me, synagogue ruler, I created the Sabbath. Excuse me, don't you dare get up and be mad at these people for what had happened. I created that. Keep going. And so what do we see? The ruler sets aside the commands of God and replaces them with his own tradition. Some things never change. People have always replaced the true and living God for some other thing, period. That's what they do. Their own tradition, some other way to get to heaven, some other new rule, some other new thing. Mark 7, 6 through 9, he replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you, hypocrites, that is written. These people honor me with their lips. Their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. There may come a day where a government may say to you, you have to bow down to our rules. And if they disagree with Bible rules, what are you going to do? There may come a day, even for some of us not that old in this room, that they're living under the standards of this world, a government, the educational system's already like that. If you don't follow the line, then you're a bad thing, a bad person. Follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. There's no person back in that day and time that followed Jesus that thinks 2,000 years later, man, I made a poor decision. I should have just listened to the synagogue ruler. Follow what your Lord and Savior has taught you. That's why today's message, Jesus versus religion. Jesus always wins, okay? You let go of those commands holding on to the traditions of men and said to them, you have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. And the beautiful closing here in this particular passage, it says in verse 17, when he said this, all the opponents were humiliated. He scolds the people. And in a few words, Jesus puts forth what they're really about. You take care of animals, more than you'd even think about this daughter of Abraham. It says they were all humiliated, but the people are cracking up. They're delighted with all the wonderful things he was doing. You see, the real Jesus is appealing to people, isn't he? They were looking at the wrong religious system, and the synagogue leaders, and the Thomas effect of Jesus' work and words still carries on today. In 1957, there was a World Series with a juggernaut team called the New York Yankees. I couldn't help it if I was born in New York City and I followed them ever since 19, none of your business. It's been a long time. I was a kid in the 50s and 60s and watched those teams This is a sports person. And followed the Dodgers until they went, until they no longer called, I can't believe they even took that name, until they went to, to L.A., most people don't even know they were called the Dodges because they were named after the Brooklyn guy dodging all the trolley cars in that crowded city. And then little did they know they were dodging traffic in L.A. But anyway, there's a team, New York Yankees, just a couple of years before that, a few years before that. Do you know the Yankees won five World Series in a row? Now listen, I have no dog to fight. It's sports. as sports. It used to be a god in my life years ago. It's not now. I'm just telling you some history. So when it came to the 57 World Series this team that had left Boston a few years before 1953. They left Boston. They were the Boston Braves They went to Milwaukee. Eventually, they ended up, I think, in Atlanta, didn't they? So the Milwaukee Braves are in the World Series with the Yankees. But, and I've got a program from that World Series from 1957. It's cool. And there's a, young, a lot of young guys in there. I mean, all the, the players, the names that you know, Hank Aaron was quite young in this. When you look at him, it's looks like a kid in here, along with some of the other players. But the Braves won in the seventh game. You see, sometimes everyone who bet on the Yankees is a sure bet. Always bet on Jesus. It's a sure bet than the Braves, even though, I mean, there's great players on that team. It was a great series, won in seven games. I tell you this. Jesus isn't an underdog in anything, period. Today, today, God may be calling you forward to make some kind of response. I don't know what it is. Pastors, come forward. There's not enough pastors. Let's have some deacons up here. And something in your mind is telling you, God wants me to go forward. I don't even know why. Or you may know why. Come forward, pray alone, pray with someone. That coming forward many times means a commitment, something that, that you're so moved by in your heart that you're willing to come forward and share it with one of your pastors, deacons, or just share it alone on this altar because you made that step. There was a woman who went to a service one day couldn't even imagine that it was her day to come forward. Today, God may use you to touch someone. doesn't matter if you've known Jesus for 50 years, 100 years. Secondly, if you don't have a church home, we invite you to come forward as a candidate for membership. We'd love to receive you in that capacity today. Every believer needs a family. Every believer needs to be part of something bigger than themselves. And we invite you to come today just like someone did last hour. It may be you. Don't mess with it. Do it today. And today, if you haven't yet received Jesus Christ into your life as your own personal Lord and Savior, God's offering a gift to you because religion can't save you, but Jesus will. And he did. The saddest thing in the world is letting that gift stay by the side and go to waste and standing before God one day and say, God, I never did receive that gift. Don't reject the gift of what God's already done for you. What will I do with my life? What will happen then? Let me tell you this. The world says, Show me and I'll believe. God says, Believe and I'll show you. Here's a recipient of that. I questioned it. God gave me more family, more friends, more people I could ever even imagine. Look what God did. God bless you for not even waiting. Thank you. I'm going to ask you also to stand. Don't wait. They've heard God's word. Come forward as God has spoken truth into your heart.